Welcome to our first video in our Wednesday study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, there's a few reasons why I thought that Mark would be a good gospel for us to take a look at and really a good book for us to, to take a look at. One of the main reasons is because it's about half the length of Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel, so it's not going to take as long to be able to go through it as what some of the other ones would. Now, Mark is 16 chapters long, and I plan on taking about one chapter every single week. So we're starting in the beginning of the year with Mark chapter 1. Uh, a few things to tell you about kind of Mark's gospel. Uh, I know that, that some of you are going to maybe find this information a little bit more important than, than, uh, than others of you. Um, it is typically assumed, based on kind of tradition and stuff like that, that Mark is actually recording what the apostle Peter uh, experienced. And he kind of uh, used Peter as an eyewitness account. And there's reasons for that, but I, I'm not going to get into all of that. But just kind of know that this might be somewhat from uh, a little bit of Peter's perspective uh, throughout this gospel. But there's also evidence to recognize that uh, Mark himself would have experienced some of these things and been able to see them. Uh, that being stated, uh, Mark is not one of the apostles. And as far as who Mark is, uh, it's typically assumed that he would be that Mark uh, that is called John Mark in the book of Acts. And he shows up a few different times. He was the, the uh, relative of Barnabas there. And uh, we see that, that character about uh, John Mark there. And he's likely the same one who wrote this gospel. Uh, another thing is uh, many people believe that Mark's gospel was the first one. Kind of makes sense it being so short and everything like that. And that, that uh, Matthew and Luke, they, they kind of expanded upon this story and told a little bit more details that maybe Mark uh, had not included. Um, most of those things aren't really as important as the fact that this is a wonderful uh, example of a gospel that tells us about Jesus Christ and how wonderful and powerful he is. And we will see so many things about that even in this very first chapter of Mark's gospel. Also, I would strongly encourage you to take a look at the Bible Project video that gives you an overview of this entire gospel. Now, we are looking at the first chapter, which is kind of a long chapter. So this video might be a little bit long too. So it's up to you as to whether or not you watch the Bible Project video at uh, the same time that you do this. You might save it and you know might watch that video uh, for tomorrow or something like that. Uh, I'll let you uh, judge those things. Uh, one little thing I do want to tell you about this video from the Bible Project. Now, let me state this first. Uh, the Bible Project, I think, is a wonderful ministry, uh, wonderful uh, teaching tool that they provide all these videos for free on YouTube and on their website and everything. So, And, and I think that uh, I have watched all of their videos personally, and I think that most of their stuff is really, really good. And, and really all of their stuff um, are things that you can learn something from. Um, however, I do want to point this out just in case you watch that video and you think that I think the same thing that they do. On this one, I actually do disagree with one thing that they're going to say. And that has to do with the ending of Mark. If you're looking at this little uh, picture up here, at the top right uh, corner, they have a little section on the ending of Mark. And they get into that in the video, toward the end of the video, really. And uh, the, uh, the gospel um, of Mark, they say it ends in uh, verse 8. That's what they think, uh, based on kind of some manuscripts and, and different things like that. Um, I think that it kind of continues on. Um, but I'm going to cover that whenever we get to the very end of the book. Uh, but just I want to let you know, they they think it has a shorter ending than what I actually think. I think there's a little bit more. And you can look in your own Bible and you'll be able to kind of uh, see some of the differences there that are laid out in your own translation. But wanted to warn you about that ahead of time. Uh, but the video itself, I think it's, it's great. And I think it would definitely uh, be helpful for you to watch it. So I would encourage you 
even though I do disagree with them on that one uh, part there, I still think the video is good for us to learn from. With that being stated, let's go ahead and jump on into uh, Mark's gospel together. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark wastes no time getting into the heart of this. In fact, he also wastes no time telling you what he's writing about, uh, who he's writing about, the content of everything that he's going to tell you. Just right here in the very uh, first verse, he says, look, this is the beginning of the good news. That is the, the gospel. This gospel is uh, about what? What is this good news about? Uh, or who is it about? It's about Jesus, the Messiah. That's a bold claim that's right here up front in Mark's uh, gospel. But I mean, he just, one of Mark's favorite words you'll kind of see is, is uh, he loves to say immediately. He's like, immediately this happened. And then immediately after that, this thing happened. And he just kind of jumps uh, so many uh, boom, 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 and all these different uh, things that he talks about right here. But this one, he's getting right into it. And he says, look, this is the beginning uh, of the, uh, the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. But then he also calls him the son of God. All this is so important. And he's he's telling you from the beginning also in verse two that he starts quoting the prophets. Uh, here he's actually quoting uh, Malachi and Isaiah the prophet, but uh, he, he attributes it to, to Isaiah because Isaiah is kind of this, this big main prophet who's really known. And Isaiah, he prophesied about this. He prophesied there was gonna be one coming who was gonna prepare the way for the Lord. And Mark also doesn't want you to kind of have any doubt as to who that was. The next verse in verse four, he says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. That's what John the Baptist, his mission was. It was to prepare the way for the Lord to make a straight path for him. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did. He, he laid everything out for Jesus Christ to come in behind him. So what was the purpose or what was the message rather of John the Baptist? Well, it says in verse four that he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, I would say to you uh, that based on you know my study of the scriptures, the difference in the baptism that John the Baptist was baptizing people in and the baptism that we as Christians are baptized in, it actually has to do with the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And even John, he starts talking about that because he says in verse eight, I baptize you with water, but he, the one who's more powerful than him, is gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is gonna be baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. And that, I believe, is the difference in our baptism and the baptism that John was asking people to be baptized on. Was John's baptism important? Yes, you better believe it was very important. It was crucial during that time for them to be baptized and for them to repent and to receive this forgiveness of sins. Is baptism crucial today? Yes, you, you, you have to be baptized. You know, this is uh, so much about how we receive the Holy Spirit and how we relate with God and accept this message. And baptism during... Uh, John's uh, day, um, 
based on kind of record of history and everything that we have from the Jewish people, um, what they would uh, oftentimes do is when a Gentile, so that would be someone who is not part of the nation of Israel, whenever they want to become an Israelite and start worshiping the one true God of the Bible, they were to be immersed. They were to be baptized. This was kind of a life-changing thing. They would be welcomed into the community at that point. But John is doing something different. He's actually asking not just Gentiles, people from other nations. He's not just asking people from other nations to be baptized. He's also saying, look, you Jews, you've got to be baptized too. He's asking for everyone who is becoming a part of this, this ministry and a part of this mission of God right here. He's asking for all of them to be baptized. And that's what he is actively engaged in doing. We find out that, uh, that John, uh, he himself, uh, while he himself did not ever do any miracles, uh, he, he does uh, take on the role of the prophet. In verse 6, we find out about you know, his clothing and everything about him. So many of these things go back to uh, the, the well-known prophet Elijah. And so John is kind of coming and, and he is uh, just like these prophets in the Old Testament. And he's got this message. And what is this message? Verse 7, it tells us that John's message was, After me comes one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He was talking about Jesus Christ. Within this chapter, we will most certainly see that. Jesus Christ is going to be the one who's going to come. And this baptism is going to be even more. It's going to be a baptism that includes the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading because uh, Mark doesn't waste time. We shouldn't either. Let's keep going. Verses 9 through 15 now. At that same time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the spirit uh, sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Like I said, Mark doesn't waste any time. He goes right out in verse 8 talking about, okay, what was the message of John the Baptist? The message of John the Baptist is somebody more powerful than I is coming. And then he says that, uh, that John even says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, that he, we get a, a definition of who that is. At that time, Jesus came. Okay, so at that time, Jesus is the one who's come. He is the one who is going to be uh, doing a different type of baptism, the one that includes the Holy Spirit. We also find evidence of that in Jesus's own baptism, because whenever Jesus was baptized, we see that the Spirit descended upon him in verse 10, but we also see in verse 11 uh, that uh, the Father said to him, you are my son, and that he was well pleased uh, with, with his son and his son's behavior. So we get uh, this account there at the very beginning of Mark. Uh, Jesus is baptized. Right after that baptism, the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. He gets that 40 days of, of temptation. And by the way, Mark definitely condenses Jesus' baptism, but he also condenses this time in the wilderness. I mean, it's just two verses that he talks about it. Uh, but we get that, okay, he was tempted. He was out in the wilderness. He was with these wild animals and angels attended him. We don't get too much more than just that. We get some other things from Luke's gospel and also Matthew's gospel. But Mark just tells us, look, this is the heart of what you need to know. Jesus went out into the wilderness right after he himself was baptized, and he did that for 40 days, and he was tempted. See, several of these images that, that Jesus is doing, he's kind of reenacting 
what the nation of Israel did. Whenever they came out of Egypt, uh, they were baptized, so to speak, as they passed through uh, the Red Sea. Whenever they passed through the Red Sea, they, they spent a time in the wilderness. Well, Jesus is going through those same types of actions with himself. Obviously, Jesus isn't going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. He's going to be in there for 40 days. Uh, also, uh, what John, um, sorry, what Mark tells us right after that is found in verses 14 and 15, that John the Baptist, he was eventually put in prison. Okay, whenever he was put in prison, then Jesus steps up and he is even more boldly proclaiming this message. What is the message that Jesus is proclaiming at this time? Verse 15, that message is the time has come. Okay, so what does that really mean? Well, that means things are going to be changing. But he continued and he also said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So what is Jesus asking people to realize? The time has changed. Something is about to happen in their day. The kingdom of God has come near. They need to repent. They need to believe this gospel. They need to believe the good news. Guess what? All of these same things are so important for us to recognize too. We need to, to recognize that time changed when Jesus set foot onto this earth. We also need to recognize that the kingdom of God, it came in a certain power that Jesus brought whenever he came to this earth. And Jesus's message and our message today is to repent and to believe in this gospel. So in part to be able to, to proclaim this message, Jesus could have gone around just proclaiming it himself, but that's not how Jesus works. That's not how our God works. No, Jesus asked other people to help him. And that's what we get next in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make uh, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So now Jesus is uh, calling these disciples. He says, come follow me. And he calls fishermen at first and he says, look, I'm going to send you out and you're going to be fishing for people. Your business is no longer going to be about fish. It's going to be about people. They need to hear this message. And all these fishermen, these four fishermen right here, they all just left what they were doing. I mean, this is really their livelihood and everything about kind of who they were up to this point. They left all that to follow Jesus around. And they did this for three years. Now, whenever they did it, they probably thought they were going to be doing it longer than three years. But we kind of know that uh, that Jesus, his ministry lasted about three years. So these men, they went and they followed Jesus everywhere all the time. They left their family. They left their business. They left all of these things behind in order to follow Jesus Christ. Because they knew something is important. Following Jesus Christ is important. Something was happening during their time. What was that? Verse 15, remember the message of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. These four fishermen and other disciples as well were willing to follow that message fully and to boldly proclaim that message. And that, that's what they do. That's what they continue to do. And Jesus himself, one uh, so important thing to understand about Jesus, and Mark is going to get into that next, is that, that Jesus was not just some random person. He was a guy who had authority that was so much more than anybody else during his day. 
Of course, we we read it, uh, into this and we see that uh, that Jesus is not only the Son of God and is not only the Messiah, but he is God himself in the flesh. And because of that, he has a certain authority that other teachers of his day and even teachers of our day, they simply don't have. But Mark talks about that authority next. Verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives order to Im orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. See, some of this kind of makes sense that that news would spread like wildfire because this is newsworthy. Jesus has come and he is acting different and speaking different than these other people. In verse 22, we see that something was different about the way he taught because he taught as one who had authority, not of the teachers of the law. That's a powerful message. Something was different about Jesus Christ. Whenever these evil spirits were there, these impure spirits, whenever they were in front of him, he could command them to come out and they would. We see that this is just showing his power, showing his authority over all of creation. People were amazed at this. They realized that he brought this new teaching. Verse 27 says this new teaching and with authority. People are starting to talk. People are starting to recognize Jesus is something great. Verses 29 through 34 now. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now we see not only does he have power over the spiritual beings and over those impure spirits, but he also has power over physical sicknesses. Jesus is able to heal people. He's able to cast out demons. He has all this power. He has all this authority. People are noticing that. They're bringing him all these different people. In verse 32, they're bringing him people who are sick. They're bringing him people who are demon-possessed. The whole town gathered. I mean, that would have been a pretty amazing sight right there. And Jesus is ministering to all these people. We also notice a very interesting thing that we that we see uh, kind of time and time again, that the demons, they know who Jesus is. And they sometimes even kind of say something about who he is. But what we get in verse 34 is, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Well, well why wouldn't he let them speak? One of the greatest explanations for that uh, that was given to me, and I don't even remember who said it, but but somebody kind of shared with me is, what type of a spokesperson would that be if you have the demons proclaiming who you are? See, Jesus, he was proclaiming already who he was. He had disciples, followers, good guys proclaiming who he was. 
He didn't need these bad guys, the, the bad demons, speaking out about who he was. Even though what they said might have been accurate. I mean, I mean, it was. They recognized who he was. But those don't need to be the ones proclaiming the message. So, you know, I think there's also a little bit of a lesson we can learn today. The lesson we can learn today is, look, we who are on the side of the Lord, we need to step up. We need to boldly proclaim so that that way uh, the message doesn't have to get out by some other way. We need to step up and we need to be proclaiming who Jesus is, the power that he has, the authority that he has. Verses 35 through 39 now. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, Mark takes time to kind of slow down just a little bit and to tell us something very important, a very important lesson. And one that I hope that you've learned in these past few months. And that is that sometimes in our everyday lives, we can get so so busy, so caught up in, well, I've got to go to this thing and then, then this next thing and then the next thing. And then, you know, we've got so many things on our agenda that we sometimes don't take the time just to calm down and to pray and to spend time with our Heavenly Father. Jesus had to do that. News was spreading about him and he could have been busy 24-7. I mean, literally, I'm not even kind of exaggerating with that. There was enough people that could have kept him busy all the time. But you know what? There, there came a time because he was a human being. He became a human being just like us. He needed to be able to just calm down a little bit and to be able to rest, to be able to have this peace. And he took that time also of rest of being around, uh, rest from being around everybody. He took that time to pray to his heavenly father. He went to a solitary place. There's a lesson for us to learn. And, and I hope that these past few months, you know, in this time that, uh, there's even been some, some times that we've uh, been a little bit more solitary than usual. I hope that you've learned these lessons about the need to rely upon the Lord. Now, it's important for us to reach out too at this time. And I'm not saying that, you know, you just need to, to, to go be a hermit yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying there is something important to learn about this solitary moment, about being able to be with you and God and, and just Y'all too, being able to talk and being able to share that time together. But after we have that time together, there also comes a time whenever we need to step up and go out and do something. Verse 38, Jesus knew that he had to because he actually said, you know, look, we need to go to these nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. You know, we get a few different reasons that are given to us specifically in the Gospels as to the reason why Jesus came. And this is one of them. Why Jesus came was to preach to these people. They needed to hear this message. And Jesus did that. He did that very thing. He went throughout these synagogues. He was preaching and he was also driving out demons. So we see that he's not only involved in teaching, but he's also involved in healing. And I think that there are some lessons uh, with that as well, that we need to understand that we as Christians, as followers of Christ, uh, yes, it's important to teach, but we also need to be involved in, in ministering to people and possibly even bringing about or helping to bring about healing because we can still do that in different ways today uh, as well. 
and and we need to be involved in some of those things. Jesus most certainly was. He showed us that example. Now let's move on to verses 40 through 45. And with this, we're actually going to be uh, ending this first chapter. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a, with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded on your, uh, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This news about Jesus Christ, it is exploding. It's going everywhere. I mean, we find out that, that you know, with, with him healing these people, um, the news is just spreading. Even if he tells them, look, don't tell people, just keep it to yourself. They just can't help but keep it. Uh, they can't help but just spread it. They cannot keep it to themselves. And news is spreading. This is good news that Jesus has come. News is spreading. Because of that, verse 45 says that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he had to stay outside of those towns, in these lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You ever wish that the gospel message could spread like that today? I would suggest to you that it can still spread like wildfire, like what we read about here. But it takes those people who are interested into what Jesus is doing to boldly speak out. So before you go about criticizing that, well, the gospel message doesn't spread like it did right here. Ask yourself the question, how much do you spread that message? Because this is attributed largely to one person who, who wouldn't just be quiet. He couldn't help but just speak out about it. But yet there's other people also who are speaking about this message and proclaiming that Jesus has come and he's doing great things in their midst. So what about today? Are we still boldly proclaiming this message? I hope that we can at least maybe proclaim it a little bit more than what we have in times past. And that's one of the reasons why I want us to look at Mark's gospel. I want us to get at the, at the heart of who Jesus is to learn more and more about Jesus Christ and the reasons why he came here and, and what he, he came and, and offered us so that we can share this news with people around us who desperately need to hear. I hope that the gospel message can again spread like this. But the only way it's going to is if we openly, boldly proclaim the gospel. Just as a final reminder, if you wanted to watch that video from the Bible Project on the Gospel of Mark, uh, you can find a link to that video uh, below in the video description of this video. Um, and uh, yeah, the Bible Project video, it's a great overview of the Gospel of Mark, and it'll kind of tell you where we're going to be heading in the next few weeks. So thank you very much for joining me this week, and I look forward to studying Mark with you in the upcoming weeks.